By the time Ed Calderon was just entering his 30s, he had accumulated a lifetime's worth of tactical knowledge and life-or-death experience. And when life as he knew it came crashing down around him, he fled his former career in Mexico for a then-unknown future in the U.S., where he proceeded to hit rock bottom. Well, the main one is depression. <laughs> that's the main thing I felt at the start. Uh, anybody that's ever been in a, in a, in a situation where they uh, live a life of risk, uh, live a life of uh, working with people that you consider family because you're, you're risking everything every day with them. Um, and, and anybody that's ever dedicated themselves to a life of service, uh, people that have been in the military, people that come back from a deployment for the last time, um, it was depression. I had to find a new baseline normal. And, uh, you know, it used to be that I would be out working for months on end, living in and out of hotel rooms and weird, weird uh, safe house uh, type settings. Um, and we would, you know, roll around with firearms and a bunch of people that are very capable with me. And we would, you know, do risky work every every day and every night. And we'd be on call, you know, 24-7. Uh, and all of a sudden, the radios are gone. The cell phones, the multiple cell phones uh, chirping are, are gone. Uh, the 90-plus the people that I had underneath my command are are gone and I'm kind of left without a purpose. I'm not needed anymore. I'm not, I'm not essential. Uh, and on top of all that, I'm, uh, I'm trying to make a new home for myself in the U.S. So there was a lot of depression at, at, uh, during those first, uh, those first uh, few months. You know, I, I think I've mentioned this uh, last conversation. You know, if, you, if you find somebody with purpose, that's truly a dangerous man. And, you know, I, I felt like I was not dangerous anymore. I didn't have a purpose. I, I, I felt kind of aimless. Um, that was pretty scary. Ed found that sense of purpose he thought he had lost, or at least something he could do to make money. He was invited to help teach a class described as traveler safety, given what some of his friends knew about his areas of expertise. But Ed is no ordinary traveler. And these were no ordinary students. You know, the the, the very first classes I I, uh, I did in the in, in the U.S. as far as public classes uh, were in San Francisco. Um, I was invited by a, a pretty pretty amazing company called uh, Triple Lot Design to be an instructor for the, for a, a training that they set up. It, it was basically a, a traveler safety type class. From my point of view, basically uh, teaching people how to prepare themselves for moving in an environment that might be hostile to them. Um, from um, elements of you know escape, uh, evasion, uh, viewed purely from the standpoint of an individual that isn't uh, operating for the government or uh, working in any sort of capacity officially. So. I was teaching people how to avoid criminal activity, how to avoid getting in a situation where they had little to no choices. Uh, Things like bribery uh, came into the conversation, which is pretty interesting. 
basically instructing people on how to deal with bribery in, in, in places outside of the United States, um, showing people how some of these things play out uh, in, in environments like Mexico and and some of these things could be applied you know, any third world country. You can apply some of these uh, same concepts. Uh, but basically showing people how to be uh, self-sufficient, how to prepare themselves for any uh, possible event in, in, in the world where the lives of their families or themselves could be threatened, you know, um, what to carry, how to carry smart, um, how you can arm yourself in most environments, how you really need to invest much more in software or how to use things and how to make them than in actually buying things that are already made. So it was really more of a mindset uh, class and with some skill sets uh, kind of mixed into the class. And some of the people that showed up to that class were members of uh, some federal agencies that I would always kind of envision as uh, all-knowing, you know, uh, or, you know, like the, the, the level of training that they had was probably something that uh, was unreachable for somebody like me. I started showing them simple, you know, tradecraft uh, s- skill sets that uh, I knew uh, from my experience and my time working down there. Simple things like improvising certain uh, emergency medical management uh, type uh, things, like uh, tr- uh, buying a glue mousetrap and using that as a chest seal if you don't have anything else with you. Ed admits that using a glue trap to seal up a wound on someone's chest is not a situation that most people will ever find themselves in. Then again, he never expected to find himself in such a situation either. Those were things that we learned from being um, you know, resource poor and working in environments where we had to make do with whatever we had on hand. So showing some of these small skill sets to people like them and then you know, blowing a few minds uh, by showing you know, how to open up handcuffs with uh, small pieces of steel and how to improvise these with uh, things you can buy anywhere in the world. Uh, and then finally explaining the current state of affairs as far as how some some of the criminal methodologies that are, you know, ever evolving out, out, out in Mexico, uh, what their current state uh, was. This is like, a, I'm like a bringing a pail of water from a whale of knowledge in Mexico into the U.S. and and they're seeing like the the, the current uh, form or state of it. Uh, things like uh, you know how certain criminal groups in Mexico tie people up in in ways that may not have been familiar to most people in the U.S. Even in some of the specialty circles. Um, uh, seeing how they would interrogate people or torture people in, 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 in Mexico in ways that weren't known publicly in certain circles uh, in the U.S., even at high levels. Uh, so I quickly realized that my, my knowledge base and experience base was a resource that, uh, that uh, had a value. Um, and, 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 not, and not just the value, but was also very much in demand and will be in demand in the in the in the future you know i thought they knew this 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 type of stuff already but apparently it's a it's a bit of a blind spot for people we're going to hold that thought and come back after this brief mention from our sponsor 
The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Ed Calderon seems like a man who has no blind spots. Even if he was at first unable to see the value in himself and his unique skill sets, at least to anyone outside of Mexico. He says it has always been his constant desire to learn, even from the most unlikely people. That has allowed him to accumulate so much knowledge about so many seemingly unknown topics. I'm part of a collective of instructors, and we're always of the uh, mindset of show us, don't tell us, right? There's definitely something to be said about alternative means of learning uh, when it comes to some of these skill sets. Um, you know, every now and then I get asked, uh, hey, is that, did you learn that through your government training? You know, like uh, the other day I was showing somebody how to uh, open up a uh, a cheap 40 millimeter padlock, Chinese padlock with a, with a lighter and a, uh, and a flathead screwdriver, you know, uh, and it was, you know, purely criminally, <laughs> criminally sourced. Right, and you know they ask me like, so you so you you basically went to like a like a criminal school, like no, there's no such thing. Uh, what there is is being a good human being and being understanding of people's situations, and uh, not dehumanizing the enemy, whoever that enemy may be. I'm not I'm not talking about being you know, be, being in agreement with the opponent, you know, whoever that opponent or the enemy may be. Uh, a lot of the older guys that I used to work with and some of the guys that I used to work with that were part of my generation uh, would grab somebody in a situation where they were arrested and you know they would take out all their personal strife and issues uh, on some of the detainees and they would dehumanize them. Um, they would call them names, they would do, you know, whatever. I would always take a knee and kind of figure out a way to start a conversation with some of these people for a lot of reasons. One. I was always trying to figure out, you know, the bigger picture. So kind of I, to, to identify who was in leadership position, if we catch the whole group of people uh, who knew more, that type of stuff. Uh, so I, I kind of learned to start conversations with people. And if you dehumanize somebody, it's kind of hard to start a conversation with somebody that you view below you. Uh, so a lot of these conversations led me into writing some of these conversations down, recording some of them, uh, learning a few skill sets that, uh, you know, some some burglar uh, that we caught would, would show us that we would then kind of reverse engineer and utilize for some of the breaching and some of the, uh, you know, urban warfare stuff we were, uh, we were basically engaging in. Um, so I think the only difference between a lot of the people that I worked with and myself is that I took the time to write some of these things down. I took the time to figure some of these events out and turn them into lessons. And uh, I stopped thinking about the them versus us as bad guys versus good guys. And I just, you know, you know once, once you start dehumanizing uh, the enemy, uh, you, you start kind of realizing and figuring out a few things about their realities and their weaknesses and their strengths. And, and, and it's not because I was uh, any good at extracting information from people, but I always found a way to get on a certain level with some of these people and, you know, just talk. Ed's approach is largely inspired by his experience with one of his original teachers, Fernando. 
He's the 15-year-old criminal discussed briefly in Episode 3, who escaped out of the handcuffs that Ed and his partners had just placed him in. Ed says the lessons he learned from Fernando, both about picking locks and perhaps human nature, opened his eyes to the importance of seeing the value in people of all stripes. It also inspired him to start writing those lessons down, something that ultimately led Ed to become the person he is today. Uh, he, he was he was one of the like the first kind of like a light bulbs that came into my mind as far as seeing that type of thing as a skill set that you can collect into a format that you can show people. Uh, you know, kind of the inception of that. Uh, you know, he was one of the first ones that I saw with actual technique. You know, uh, and you know, he told me that they would do that for fun amongst themselves. So they would buy a pair of handcuffs and you know surprise each other and hank handcuff each other to things random objects and you know you have to figure a way out of them um so they were basically learning to to, uh, through play uh if you go back and you know not a lot of members of this generation will remember but uh when we when we were kids we would play hide and seek and hide and seek was basically a survival skill that we were learning you know um and we would do it uh, through fun uh when I say survival skill, I mean running and hiding is a survival skill. If your kids have never played hide and seek, they are missing out on a survival skill. Most of these kids could buy a, a, a handcuff key at, a, at an open air market, or uh, or they learn how to fabricate some of these uh, ways of you know, picking them or shim, shim, shimming in the open, and they would buy most of what they need at a, a hair uh, salon or, or a, a beauty place just buy bobby pins or even the tweezers that come in a, in a pair of Swiss Army knives uh, can make you a good lo- uh, handcuff pick and or uh, shim uh, to open up a pair of handcuffs. So these kids were aware of all these things, uh, not because they were any sort of government-trained ninjas, uh, because but, but because it was a life skill for them because of the environment that they were uh, moving in. So when when I saw how he was learning some of these skill sets and I was seeing you know, the fun behind it in a monkey see monkey monkey do type setting, and I started taking elements of it and writing them down and, and turning them into lessons. Uh, later on, I saw a lot of people hiding things in different places, uh, from drug runners to people putting things inside of prison systems to people trying to escape uh, prison system uh, uh, settings. Uh, for, or getting a detainee that had a very you know ingenious method of concealing something in his car or on his person, uh, high-level burglaries of, uh, of places where they would uh, take out the alarm system by filling it with the uh, expansion uh, foam so it wouldn't vibrate in the box. You know, um, all these things. You know, you start looking at them and learning them, and they come from conversations and. Uh, you start uh, gathering them into a learning and uh, a teachable moment. You know, kind of how I sourced a lot of these skill sets comes from uh, interactions with uh, you know with people that have lived risky lives that have a lot of experience behind, them. and uh, a lot of these people get ignored or just don't get a chance to speak about their experiences to people. And there is definitely gold nuggets of, of information in some of these conversations. 
Sometimes uh, people get in the way of themselves by dehumanizing some of these guys and, and women. As soon as you dehumanize the enemy, you become blind to the nature of the enemy. And when I say enemy, I mean, you know, the, somebody that's on the other side of a, of a situation. Uh, so I, I, as far as a life lesson, you know, I kind of learned early on to um, not discount anybody as a teacher. You know, anybody can show you something you don't know. Coming up next on Alchemy of Violence. I was placed into, the only way I can describe it is a Hannibal Lecter type rig, you know, where I'm, my legs are restrained, my arms are restrained towards uh, my hips, uh, and I have a spit shield on my face. Ed explains how he found himself in that situation. Plus, we take you inside one of his classes on how to avoid being kidnapped. In exactly two minutes, I'm gonna start putting more restraints on you. Hurry the f up! From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.